Future City is sponsored by grants from Josh and Janine Fiddler and the Baltimore Community Foundation. Hey everybody, I am Wes Moore and you are tuned in to Future City, the monthly feature where we ask, what's next for Baltimore? On Future City, we cover a range of topics from sustainable urban farming to tiny homes to gun control. And you can listen to all of these at wypr.org slash podcast central. But on today's show, the Trump administration's budget for 2019 calls for eliminating four federal cultural agencies in a move that would save almost $1 billion from a $4.4 trillion spending plan. These cultural agencies include the National Endowment for the Arts, the National Endowment for the Humanities, the Institute for Museum and Library Services, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. These federal cuts are indicative of a disturbing trend in both federal and state budgets that place very little emphasis on the arts. Arts education in schools is particularly vulnerable, with more, quote, employable disciplines like math and science being emphasized. Many educators are worried subjects like music, art, and literature will be poorly funded or, in some cases, cut altogether. Here in Baltimore, much of the charm of Charm City comes from our thriving arts community. Many graduates of the Maryland Institute College of Art, or MICA, stay here in the city to pursue artistic careers. We also have a rich local music scene, festivals like Light City, and so much more. But what is the future of the arts? here in Baltimore and beyond. What initiatives are we pursuing to ensure a rich future for arts and arts education here in Baltimore? Oftentimes on this show, we feature other cities and look at how we can learn from them. This is one time when Baltimore has a lot to teach other cities. Our arts community is lively and it's growing, truly a positive trend in the city that's so often plagued by bad press. So let's start by meeting Donna Sawyer, who's the Chief of External Affairs with the Baltimore Office of Promotion and the Arts, or BOPA. Yes. Donna, it is great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. And I am thrilled to be here. And also the award-winning author of a book, Provenance, a novel. Uh, So even before I even ask you a question about BOPA, I am fascinated by this book. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about Provenance? Provenance is a book about um, reaching your potential and what you're willing to give in order to get. And it's the story of uh, three generations of an African-American family who sometimes were African-American and sometimes they weren't. It takes place um, in uh, Richmond. It starts in the um, southern Virginia and moves to um, Paris between the wars and uh, then back to New York. And the central theme is about art. And it uh, it asks the question... um, is art, are you the collector or are you the art? Because the collector always has the control. And if you're the art, you're at the control of the collector. Beautiful. And, and I, I love that the cover art, uh, actually on the cover art it says, art enables us to find ourselves and lose ourselves at the same time. And that says it all. Says it all. It does. Well, so, so can you tell us a, a bit about BOPA for those who are not familiar with it? Well, BOPA is uh, one of those organizations that can help you find yourself or lose yourself in art. And um, it is, BOPA stands for the Baltimore Office of Promotion in the Arts, as you said. BOPA is much more fun to say. (laughs) And uh, we are, um, we like to to call ourselves the people that um, produce fun 
in the city of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So we have, um, the, the list is so long that um, I always have to have a cheat sheet with me because we do everything from the things that everybody's familiar with, like Light City, um, Artscape, the Book Festival. But we also run the farmer's market on Sundays under the Jones Fall Expressway. We um, have a art center in uh, Federal Hill called School 33, where we have uh, four to six exhibitions a year of Baltimore-based artists. We um, also run the Bromo Tower Art Center, the Top of the World Observation Deck at the World Trade Center, um, the Cloisters Historic House in Lutherville, We also run programs like Bright Starts for young children to teach them about art, where we go into the schools and work with them one-on-one. We host the the Sondheim Award, which is a $25,000 award, which um, anybody that's an artist knows getting that kind of an award to work on your art is a gift. Um, So we do that annually in conjunction with Artscape. And then the semifinalists for that competition also receive $1,000 to continue their work. So we have, um, our scope is broad, it's deep, and it's passionate. And so how did you get so involved in the arts? My mother is responsible for my passion for the arts. Um, I grew up in New York City, and um, she was... uh, the kind of mother who would bundle her three little girls and get us on the train and take us into Manhattan, and we would visit the museum, we'd go to the opera, um, anything cultural we would do. And she did it on a shoestring, but she did it relentlessly. And so she has, um, she infected us early, and we have spread the disease to our children. So um, it is probably the greatest gift I ever got from my family was the love of art and also the understanding that I had the right to be there with everybody else. I love that. I love that. I had the right to be there. Yep. So you but you so you spent a lot of your childhood in New York. Yes. Going to Broadway shows mm-hmm. and to the opera and to all this type of thing. Uh, and now you are living and working in Baltimore. I am. Is Baltimore an artistic city? Oh my goodness, yes. Baltimore is the, in, in places like New York and D.C., you see art. In Baltimore, we make art. It's an original city. If you look around you, there are makers of art in, in all aspects, from visual arts to performing arts to uh, culinary arts. It is a maker city, and that's what makes it so exciting to me, because to view the process is to become part of it. And so that's that's one of the reasons I'm here is because of the openness of this city. And, you know, you you know, I just drove up um, Mount Royal Avenue past Micah and all the students walking back and forth and with canvases. And, you know, it's it is just the most inspiring city when it comes to making art that I've ever been in. You know, it's interesting, too, because sometimes when when they think about art, they think about the contributions of the artist or how it can make a place more vibrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, they oftentimes miss the economic uh, viability and what arts can do economically yeah. 
to a city. Yeah. Uh, what impact is, does BOPA have on the economics of Baltimore? It is pretty significant. We have about a $311 million economic impact for just BOPA programs alone. Hmm. If you add all of the artistic organizations plus the audiences, you're up over $606 million in the economic impact derived from the arts here in Baltimore. And that's just Baltimore City. We haven't even spread out into the county. So it is a significant driver of economic uh, progress in this city. So if I'm a, if I'm a, if I'm a young artist uh, and I'm looking at a handful of cities and to, to, to make my own uh, and you're being honest with them, what do you tell them are the biggest opportunities for them here in Baltimore and what the biggest challenges for them? Here in Baltimore. I think the biggest opportunity for young artists is that you can actually afford to live here. That's one of the biggest challenges for artists. Um, having grown up in New York, I see um, how the city would drive out talented art artists because there was no place to live. Still does. Yeah. So now, if you're, if you're, I, I like to refer to Baltimore as Soho South because. <laughs> It has the same vibrancy of of Soho, you know, back in the day, but it has the support of um, the open arms of Baltimore. So, you know, the in addition to the work that we do to produce festivals and other events, we give uh, over six hundred thousand dollars in grants to artists every year, and we do that through pass through from the city as well as from other organizations. Um, one of our partners, for example, I mentioned the Sondheim Prize is M&T Bank. They step up every year and give us the $25,000 we need to give the finalists um, a prize. The 25000 for the winner comes from an endowment, but without their support, we would not be able to give working artists additional capital to keep them going. So it is a wonderful combination also of the philanthropic, um, all kinds of foundations here that believe in the arts, and you see their names on buildings, and you, um, you know, fortunately, we're able to um, get them to give to our, uh, our programs. There's the corporate um, contribution, and there's also the civic contribution, what the city does for our artists. So if I were being honest, I'd say if you want to grow as an artist, um, this is a, a great place to go. And then there's the other piece is the educational piece. We have probably one of the best um, schools of art in the country, in, well, in the world. Um, look at Amy Sheridan, who painted Michelle Obama's picture. She's a MICA professor. I mean, all of the, this um, talent pulses on the streets of Baltimore and in unexpected places. I mean, you look at sta Station North, you look at, um, you know, all the different areas. I'm, I'm one of the coolest areas um, that I discovered um, was Graffiti Alley. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. But you, you move around the city and buildings are emblazoned with murals everywhere. And that's a program, a BOPA program as well. So someone says to you, well, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's right, but 
I'm going to have to cut schools or I have to cut policing or I have to cut transportation lines or whatever the case might be, the argument that the arts should make it through those type of cuts uh, is complicated for people. If you consider the arts as not just something separate but integrated, and I'll give you an example. One of the programs that we have is called Art at Work. We take, uh, this year we're working in the Park Heights community, and we have um, 40 young people that will be working with one-on-one with artists to paint murals in that, that part of town, beautify their own neighborhood. And they learn not only about the, the physical art making, but also about managing money, about how to be entrepreneurial as an artist. So rather than cut the arts, integrate the arts. Um, you know, one, there's a strong correlation between math and art. So integrate the arts into math programs. So the, it isn't about cutting. It's about being, thinking creatively about what the arts are and what the arts do and how they can be integrated into curriculums far and wide. Final question, one line, just fill in this. In Baltimore, the art scene is? Remarkable. Donna Sawyer, the Chief of External Affairs with the Baltimore Office of Promotion and the Arts, or BOPA, and award-winning author. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Wes. This was wonderful. It was. Thank you. I'm Wes Moore, and you've been listening to Future City. Stay tuned as we discuss the lifelong importance of arts education for students. Low-income students who experience art education are two times more likely to graduate college than their peers who go without art education, four times more likely to be recognized for academic achievement, and when they graduate or are looking for a job, 72% of employers say they value an arts education. So, what is Maryland doing to ensure that our children are gaining access to the arts? We'll sit down with the Executive Director of Arts Education in Maryland. Be right back. Hey guys, I'm Wes Moore and welcome back to Future City, the show that changes the conversation from what's wrong with Baltimore to what's next. We've been discussing some of the disturbing funding trends towards major cuts in arts education and cultural programs. This is being done in spite of mounting research that supports the vital aspects that arts play in a child's development and a family's future success. 
So, to learn more about arts education here in Maryland, we're now joined by Lori Snyder, who is the Executive Director of Arts Education in Maryland. Lori, it is great to have you here. Thank you so much for making the time. Thanks so much for inviting me. So, so first, why don't we start with just an understanding of what arts education in Maryland is and what is the goal and the function? Okay, so Arts Education in Maryland um, Schools Alliance was formed out of a partnership with the Maryland State Department of Education and the Maryland State Arts Council. Um, this was back uh, about 30 years ago. Well, started around 30 years ago, 25 years ago, became uh, 5013C. So we're a nonprofit organization. And we were formed at a time when they were cutting arts across the state out of all the programs. And our founder, Mary Ann Mears, um, had but at that time was on the Maryland State Arts Council. And she was like, we need to do something about this. And of course, the two state agencies can't advocate and can't talk to legislators. So the, our organization was formed, and we do do that. So we go to the legislature, we um, testify for over causes for arts education, and we support the budget for arts education from the state. It, it's interesting that the organization was founded at a time when there was an assault on arts education, and we now find ourselves in a very similar place, where once again, there's this larger assault on funding for arts education. Uh, what lessons haven't we learned from the time the organization was started and to now? Well, there's there's some good news. The good news is from then till now, we have policy in place. And so we've fought for years, and we just recently in November uh, had the COMAR, Code of Regulations for Maryland, um, for uh, education, for fine arts passed, and it was a revision, and it includes fine arts education for every student in our state from pre-K through 12th grade in all five arts disciplines. So that's dance, media arts, music, visual arts, and theater. And that's an addition of media arts. We had the other art forms uh, acknowledged before. So policies in place. What we need to work on now is the funding to support that policy. And you came to this honestly. I mean, you came to it from being a teacher. Yes. Uh, and then making the transition in. Can you tell us a little bit about your process and your experience? Oh, uh, yes. I started as an art teacher um, in Anne Arundel County Public Schools um, in 1981, a long time ago. And um, I know, because I've witnessed it firsthand, the power that arts education had to transform students' lives. Um, throughout my career, I, I moved from being an art teacher to working in administration, and I developed performing and visual arts magnet programs for the district. And I had, I, when you asked me, you know, how does that impact students, or what do I, I have two students that just pop into my head. Uh, one was um, a young man, um, a guy who had never left the area around Annapolis where he grew up. He, except, you know, to go to school, he had never traveled anywhere, gone, and he had no idea what could be his future. And through the arts, he was able to come into Baltimore and see some of our cultural institutions here. He performed around the state. He ended up traveling with the program overseas. And he's now in college um, studying to be an actor, which is pretty amazing. And this is a student who just had, he said, I had no idea. He goes, the arts opened up a world for me. He was able to see places and do things that he never knew existed. And so there's a student who followed the arts path into an arts career. And then another student comes to mind, Colette, and she's an amazing young woman, um, went through arts programs and 
uh, used those arts programs to help develop her self-confidence. And she actually is in engineering school. And she said the reason she chose not to go into a STEM program but to an arts program was because she felt it gave her the confidence and the collaboration that she needed to work with other scientists and other engineers. And she knew she would need that in her future. So this is a little girl who just really realized that there was more to just the math and science. She needed a well-rounded education and wanted to experience the arts. And she knew what the arts had done when she was taking them in her um, middle school year programs. And then so she went on to a high school program in the arts as well. Now, is arts education mandatory here in the state? In the state. So the Comar that I was talking about is um, it's now required that students have um, in pre-K through five um, experience in all five arts disciplines. In middle school, they have the chance to do a deeper dive into one arts discipline, but they should have some arts throughout those those three years. And at high school... And, sorry, and what are the five? The five arts disciplines are dance, media arts, music, visual arts, and theater. And at the high school, we have a fine arts requirement credit. So students have to take a one credit of fine arts education for their high school graduation requirement. So when so when you think about these type of requirements, and I think about the story from the first student, mm-hmm. that you, I'm sorry, the second student that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. um, if, if somebody could challenge that and say, well, actually we want them doing more science and technology and engineering and math because that's where the future of, of, of industry is. That's what we want to prepare them for that work. Why are we putting more kids into the arts when that's not where employment is going to be or whatever the case might be? Your response to that is what? That all of those people who are hiring people in the STEM field, people in engineering, and are looking for innovators, they hire artists. They're looking for students who have that well-rounded education, are able to work with other other students who can vision beyond just a simple math problem or a, a you know predetermined you know answer, which is what a lot of those other subjects tend to do. The arts um, give the students the ability to problem solve and think about things with multiple solutions. And that's what we need in all of our industries is the able, being able to look at a problem or an initiative or design or, uh, or even to invent what our next future is going to be by looking at possible solutions. And that's what the arts allow students to do. That it's not always just the right, wrong, black, white, that we have to dance in the gray a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. And so when we're talking about how this works in terms of funding, uh, primarily, you know, primarily here in the state, uh, and we're having these conversations about where should priorities lie. We're having conversations about what needs to be incorporated and what needs to be solidified in type of, in, inside of our children's lives. What do you think has been the biggest challenge for people to grasp when it comes to the importance of making sure this is fully integrated into a child's life? I think when people are looking at education, they want to look directly to um, my child needs a job. My child needs to be prepared for a career. And I think that that's we need to get that across to parents and across to the decision makers, that what prepares a student for a career and success in life is confidence, is the ability to think, is the ability to look at their future and see what the possibilities are and to be able to apply what they've learned in various different ways. And the arts opens their mind to that. Um, our, when you talk about funding, um, I'm glad you asked that question because what we're working on at Ames right now is the work of the Kerwin Commission, which is the Commission on Innovation and Excellence in Education. Um, and we've been We've uh, testified in front of the Kerwin Commission earlier this past year because we want to make sure that 
the funding formula that they're working on. They've come up with their recommendations, and there's some wonderful recommendations about having students prepared for a college and career, which is the arts is part of that. But we also want to make sure that the funding across the state addresses COMAR, which is what the legislator has, legislature has said is what's required for students. We want to make sure that every district has the funds needed to be able to have those arts courses in all of their schools. And so Ames is currently doing work on advocacy on the statewide level. Yes. We also work with the State Department of Education in delivering professional development for teachers. We have a conference uh, coming up in May, um, on May 31st, that uh, is for um, arts educators, teaching artists, and arts organizations across the state to work together to build that, what we're exactly what we're talking about, but make sure those programs are there for students across the state. Which aspect of the arts do you think is the most underutilized or underappreciated? The fact that the arts is just an essential part of education. It's not a separate piece. Sometimes that's why I think funding gets cut, is because people think of it as an extra add-on to a well-rounded education for a student, and it's not. It's integral. I think that we um, people that have had students that have had arts education know it. They see it. They realize that that's what helped their student become a well-rounded student and help them make decisions in their life and be a good citizen for um, our country. So um, I think that what we're, you know, what's, it's not one particular course. It's not one particular art form. It's the fact that the arts teaches and opens up people to think about things in different ways and to see multifaceted sides of issues and of a problem. And if you're creating a piece of music or you're creating an, a piece of art or painting or um, or creating a film, you need to look at many multiple aspects of, an, of the idea, the subject as you build. And when you think about your vision for the future of the arts in Maryland. When you close your eyes and you say, you know, I can I can see it, what it looks like, tell us what you see. I see that no matter where a child goes to school in the state, no matter what their zip code is, that they walk into a building that's rich with the arts, that they have access to a visual art class and dance and music and theater. They're able to learn their science and math and English and social studies all through the arts, and they see all of these subjects and their education as being intertwined and not a separate silos of courses. We've been speaking with Lori Schneider, who's the Executive Director for Arts Education in Maryland. Lori, thank you so much for your work and for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to Future City, and this is Wes Moore. Now coming up, we'll be speaking with a jam-packed panel of arts advocates, a teacher, a mother of four, an arts educator, and a director of arts every day. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Wes Moore, and welcome back to Future City. So today on the show, we've been discussing just how valuable an arts education can be. And now we're joined by a group of people who are all passionate about arts education. And I'm so excited to have you all here at the table. We have Julia DeBusilo, who is the Executive Director of Arts Every Day and the Lead Facilitator for the Baltimore Arts Education Initiative and a graduate of MICA. 
We also have Marsha Green, who is a parent of four sons who graduated from Baltimore City Schools and all who benefited from an arts education. We have Chanel Howard, who is a fine arts coordinator in Baltimore City Schools and a former music teacher. And we also have Allie Grayson, who's a member of the Youth Arts Council at Baltimore Office of Promotion and the Arts, or BOPA, and a senior at Baltimore City College High School, city girl, and also an artist herself. And uh, you're heading off to college in the fall. Where are you headed? I'm going to be headed to Howard University in D.C. Okay, Bison. <laughs> All right. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. So... I'm going to catch my breath. I am so excited to have all of you all here. And I'm, been, I'm just really excited for this conversation and having a, uh, an in-depth talk about the importance of arts education in this city and obviously beyond. Um, so, Julia, maybe we can start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about Arts Every Day and your role there at Arts Every Day? Sure. Um, so Arts Every Day has been around for about 10 years. We have worked with Baltimore City Public Schools over that course of time to um, support arts integration, the incorporating of arts into math, science, social studies, English, and language arts. Um, we've also worked with the community to make sure that students have access to arts and cultural organizations and muse museums. Um, and we've also done a lot of teacher professional development around arts education and arts integration. Um, so most recently, we've been working with Baltimore City Public Schools to uh, create a, a long-term vision for what arts education should look like in Baltimore City for the future. Uh, and we've done that by bringing together almost 100 community members, including teachers, artists, uh, parents, students, um, cultural organizations, arts organizations, um, and everyone in between to talk about uh, what is possible if we all pull together and coordinate our efforts around arts education and equity and access. So, so when you say we incorporate arts into math, we incorporate arts into science, what does that mean? It could take a lot of different forms. And by arts, I mean visual art, music, dance, theater, all of the different art disciplines, um, including media arts like film and uh, photography. Um, so, for example, uh, we work with a wonderful teaching artist who uh, looks at geometry through photography. So he will take students out on these photography walks to identify the different ge geometric shapes and um, sizes within tree branches. And they'll be out there um, using protractors uh, to measure the angle of, uh, of a tree branch. Um, and then they'll, they'll also incorporate some of the uh, wonderful tools that photography brings, like foreground, middle ground, and background, to really look at how, how to compose a picture with math and, and be measuring each and every step of the way. Um, so identifying geometric, geometric shapes out in nature, um, which is always really fun. If I had learned that way, I probably would remember a lot more <laughs> <laughs> from my geometry education. You and me both. You and me both. And so, and so Marsha, you are the mom of four boys. So first, God bless you. Thank you. I got one. So God uh, bless you. And so you talk about, and all went to city schools. Yes. All had arts education. Two in the middle. 
Two in the Middle had yes. arts education. Brandon, Brandon and Timothy Green. Did yes. they end up going into arts work at all? Yes. They did it and come to the arts? Yes. The two that went to Baltimore School for the Arts, Brandon and Timothy Green, they both graduated. Um, Tim Green uh, went to, he went on to New York and graduated from Manhattan School of Music. And then from there, he went to USC in California and graduated from the Thelonious Monk School uh, with his master's degree in music. So he's come full circle, and now he's going to be a part of the faculty at Peabody, the jazz uh, department. Um, So, um, and Brandon, he went to, once he graduated from Baltimore School for the Arts, he went to University of Maryland Eastern Shore, then he went to Philadelphia School of the Arts, and then he wound up coming back. So now he does, uh, he works two jobs, actually. He works for University of Maryland in their IT department, and he also does sound engineering. And, uh, and, and, and Allie, you're now a senior. Uh, yes, I am a senior. All right, and a senior over city. Yep. All right, and so so what was your arts experience? Did you, did you, so first, what arts classes did you take at City? Um, I've taken theater classes at City, so you pretty much choose what that you want to do, and you just stick with that pretty much. You can change it once you're a sophomore, but once you're a junior, you can like you have to keep it the same. And for your IB to, for like to like for in order for it to go towards your IB diploma, sorry. And Chanel, I want to I want to uh, turn to you. Uh, so Chanel, uh, Chanel Howard is the Fine Arts Coordinator for Baltimore City Schools. Um, and what are when you think about this work of fine arts? The first is what brought you into this world of the arts? My own personal story is kind of what brought me. I remember I was uh, in middle school. And we had to to do the touring that we do. Like, you go to open houses that were offered by the different high schools. And so I went to the open house at Western High School. And while I was there, it was just all of these amazing young ladies doing amazing things. And it was just more of a showcase of the arts at that time. They had students that were playing the piano. They had students that were singing. They had students that were uh, doing small snippets of productions that they put on. And all of this was just, it was just girls that were doing this. So, you know, as a small in stature, young lady, I felt definitely encouraged and inspired. But it wasn't until I saw the band come out and it was girls playing tuba, they were playing bass drums, and they were playing cymbals and trumpets and all of the things that you usually see guys do. These were all young ladies who were doing this. And so just just in that moment, I was like, oh my goodness, this is what I have to do. This is what I wanted what I wanted to do. And so it was from that moment I submitted in my application for Western High School. Um, Somewhere almost close to fall of that year, I found out that was where I was going to be attending, and I couldn't be more excited. I was in band from ninth grade through 12th grade, and then continued that. I was a music major in college, Frostburg State University, where I graduated from undergrad, and then came home, and I started to work here in Baltimore City Schools. So I think that it was somewhere along that time, either in my upper years in high school, somewhere in that weird development stage that happens in college where I just kind of felt like music was going to be that thing for me that was going to allow me to be able to make a difference because there were kids who were like me that were broken 
a little bit. And it was because of the the stuff that we had to see, the things that we had to endure. You know, a little bit of my personal story, I was raised by my grandparents and not by my parents because of their addiction. So for me, music was extremely personal. And I felt like very early on, what I wanted to do was to be able to be the kind of change agent that my band director was for me in high school. So it became very important, very, very important very early on for me to be able to give back to students that kind of grew up in the same type of situation that I did. So music was definitely a motivator for me. I think that also it kind of helped me to be able to to round out the discipline issues that kind of circulate even in college or whatever, just being able to buckle down, being able to focus a little bit better. So it wasn't until after I graduated that I started to learn about the science behind that. And so along those lines, let me open it up to all of you. And each of you have a fascinating path in the places that got you to where you are. The different experiences, uh, whether it's seeing it as a parent or a teacher or, a, or, a, or, a, or, or an instructor or as a student. What are the things that you think as an arts community that the arts community is doing really well, particularly when it comes to advocating for itself? And what do you think are the things that there is real room for improvement as an internal community as it comes to advocating for itself? So uh, one, of, one of the things that I think Baltimore has been known for is its ability to be that that DIY city that um, brings a lot of people to the city because it is a, a creative environment. There are lots of artists here. There are lots of musicians here, um, and it's it's nicely situated between you know New York, DC, and Philly. So you can really do a lot from Baltimore and have your reach be be far and long. Um, I think one of the the things that um, and and I know that as a MICA grad as well, um, you know, spending four years here and, and deciding to stay here um, over the long term. Um, but I think one of the things that we uh, fail to recognize is that when we talk about the the arts the arts community in Baltimore, without recognizing that there is a broken pipeline for the the young people that are growing up and being educated in our school system to be able to take part in that community, then we are selling ourselves short and we're selling our our communities short for what is really truly possible. Um, So that's been one of the things that we've been really trying to push with this process is that, um, yes, we want a viable arts community um, that can really support uh, an amazing uh, array of different arts, artists, organizations, museums, and um, art forms. But in order to make that a a long-term sustainable ecosystem, we have to be investing in pre-K through 12 education um, and arts education specifically, um, or else we're going to we're we're going to lose out on generations upon generations of our future artists that have been born and bred here um, and choose to stay here and raise their families. Um, I think that there's a a big misnomer and a a false idea 
that you make it out of Baltimore. We want to we want to break that down because we want we know that people are moving here because they want to be here. The, you don't need to. Uh, uh, we don't want people escaping. We want to keep the talent here. Uh, we want to uh, give it wings to really flourish here, and be able to contribute back to the community. And I think that that's one of the ways that arts education uh, really supports a, a livable city over the long term. Marsha, what do you think? I think one of the things that the arts community can do is to reach out more to uh, the student, more of the students in the inner city. Um, I, I know for a fact that it's we have to bridge art, visual art, theater, music, and um, I agree with Julia because there is a bottleneck somewhere where the kids because the arts are not in the schools, that they're having a hard time really learning. And um, so it's the voice. Change is slow. And I just believe that what we're doing here today, we're getting the word out there and, and to make kids and parents to understand that it's okay, that this is all, it all goes together with their education, whether no matter what the art is. Um, that it's very, very important to their education because I've seen it firsthand what happens when a kid um, just falls in love with the with the instrument, whether or if they're... I love art myself. I'm not a musician, but I just love colors and things like So I know I'm a visual person, and so I know how much it helps me. Even now as an adult, I see colors, and, and I just love art. So let me let me bring it back to to the western to the western girl now Chanel as our fine arts coordinator for Baltimore City uh for the schools is your job getting tougher now It's been <laughs> tricky question <laughs> Um I wouldn't say it's it's getting tougher now what I will say is that this is the job that I kind of, that I believe I signed up for. It's the job that allows me to take a look at 185 schools and 84,000 plus students and say, how can we be intentional about how we deliver the arts to them? Because what we have been able to see is there has been a steady decline in the number of arts teachers that we've had over the years. Um, to 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 be to give an exact number, I'm not able to do, but I can tell you that we have definitely seen um, runoff, if you will, um, when, as it relates to the number of arts teachers, which subsequently means that there is less offering of the arts across the city. So part of what my job is to do, and I'm grateful for it, is to be able to take a look at our arts community and everything that we have in our city and to be able to leverage that. So wherein there might not be any more dollars, it's how we purpose the dollars that we have, how we use them wisely, and how we connect other resources that we have in the city to make sure that it doesn't just stop at the budget. So uh, in my opinion, and and I'm also a parent, I'm a parent before I'm an employee, Mm -hmm. and I don't, it doesn't make me feel good to know that there might come a time when I have to choose schools based on an arts program because I do believe that I very strongly believe that some of our that our kids in Baltimore they don't get any better than that 
We have amazing kids in Baltimore. My sons are among those amazing students that are served by Baltimore City Schools. So I would be remiss to not make sure that we didn't have adequate offerings in the arts. They need it the most. We see that. Our kids in Baltimore need art the most. And for us to have such a rich culture in the arts here and not leverage those things, then I'm not doing my job well if that doesn't happen. So us being able to, me, being able to have great partners like Julia and Arts Every Day to be able to just kind of partner in the work of making sure that that happens, these are good days. So my days are extremely long. Sometimes my weeks bleed into the weekend and there's just no turning off the thought process, but I wouldn't have it any other way because it means that my work is meaningful. And so being able to make sure that students have those outlets if you will. But art is much more than an outlet. You know, for a lot of our students, art is going to be that thing or the arts are going to be that thing that's going to lead to better life and not necessarily better life outside of Baltimore. Baltimore is great. It's great. You're not going to find another city like Baltimore. It's rich in culture, heritage. The food is is popping, if I could say that. Where else are you going to get a chicken box in a half and half? <laughs> that only happens in Baltimore. That only happens in Baltimore. That's right. So not necessarily, you know, for kids to kind of grow up to escape Baltimore. That's not the thing that we're list- that we're looking to develop. We're looking to develop kids that are whole. And so, Dr. Santelise's and the Blueprint for Success, she focuses on three areas, which is basically liter- literacy, leadership, and student wholeness. Now, the fine arts plan that we'll probably talk about a little bit later is going to help us to be able to develop that. It's an integral part of Dr. Santelise's blueprint and that it has its tentacles, if I could use that word, throughout the plan. It's centered in student wholeness, but it has underpinnings in every other part of because it's the things that just come naturally to the arts. So, Ali, I want to close up and ask you a question. Uh, you're a senior city. You are on your way to Howard University in the fall. We all collectively, not just in this studio, but throughout this whole city, are so proud of you. Thank you. There are about 5,000 graduates from Baltimore City High School every single year. Baltimore City High School is every year. What role did the arts play and what can the arts do to create 5,000 EUs? Wow, okay. I think the arts, well, they have for me, they've they've helped me a lot with being motivated to go to school. Um, For a lot of students, a lot of my friends are involved in school only through the arts. Like, they're like, I don't care about anything else besides going to band practice Tuesdays and Thursdays. And it's just like, that's what they do, and that's how they make their friends, and that's that's what motivates them to get through school. And I think, especially at my school at City, we have a pretty good arts program, um, I'd, I'd say, compared, compared to other schools um, in Baltimore City. And I think we, like, us alone, we had 360-something um, seniors who, graduate, who are going to college next year, and I think... That in itself shows a lot about like what arts can do for our students and how the arts can um, impact our lives and motivate students to further their education and help out others and um, just better themselves as students and as people in general. I am so thankful for this 
dream team panel that I had a chance to spend time with today. Uh, Julia DeBusolo, Executive Director of Arts Every Day. Marsha Green, parent of four sons who graduated from city schools. Chanel Howard, who's a fine arts coordinator for Baltimore City Public Schools. And Ali Grayson, a member of the Youth Arts Council at the Baltimore Office of Promotion and the Arts, a senior at Baltimore City College High School and a future Howard University Bison. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining me today, and thank you for your leadership in this city. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, guys. So before we take off today, I just want to leave you with a few thoughts. Now, usually Future City is about what other cities are doing that we can then bring to Baltimore. But as my producer, Katie Marquette, was researching, she found something really interesting. She found that Baltimore was really leading the way in the arts. Think about some of Baltimore's prides and joys. Billie Holiday, Edgar Allan Poe, Tennessee Coates, Devin Allen, Amy Sherrill, Tupac Shakur. Artists. People who Baltimore helped birth, but now the world now owns. And when you think about the future contributions of Baltimore, how the arts will not just define them, but create them, it reminds us of how important this craft is to human development. There's a reason why doctors recommend prenatal mothers play music or read to their children before they're even born. It's because arts and language, they trigger brain development and neurological stimulation. Arts open a world that many may not see in front of them. Arts brings those in a place of chaos into a place of peace. Arts remind those who have been broken down, as Maya Angelou said, Still I rise. Future cities are those that understand the arts are as integral as the air we breathe. And cultures that have forfeited the arts have also forfeited a portion of their humanity. We must fight for things that will make Baltimore better. And we must celebrate the things that make Baltimore special. Future City is produced and edited by Katie Marquette. We welcome your feedback, and you can contact me directly on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and my handle is at IamWestmore. If you want to learn more about some of the people and organizations we heard from today, or if you want to listen to previous episodes, please visit WYPR.org and look for Future City under the Programs and Features tab. Future City airs here on WYPR on the third Wednesday of each month at 1 p.m. and again at 9 p.m. So until next time, for 88.1 WYPR, your NPR news station, I'm Westmore. Future City is sponsored by Janine and Josh Fiddler and supported by the Baltimore Community Foundation, whose vision is that Baltimore boasts a growing economy where all have the opportunity to thrive.